I want to encourage everyone in the sanctuary this morning to grab your Bibles and turn with me over actually to the book of Exodus, if you don't mind this morning, Exodus, and if you'll be turning there to chapter 15, I'm grateful just to have the privilege today to open God's Word and hear God speak with you this morning and just bring something that I've been dealing with since about uh, Thursday morning and, uh, and hearing some of you cough, you're going to appreciate this as well today too. Uh, because we're going to read and, and understand the name of God. Um, I know we were memorizing that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and those are ten words that will radically change your life. It's not something we prove that God's the creator. He just is the creator. The question is, do you acknowledge it or not? It's the fool who says in his heart there is no God. Uh, but those who are wise realize that there is a God who made all things. And the amazing thing is that God would take thought of you and me, that he would take be mindful of us. I mean, who are we that God would take and consider us. I mean, he made us a little lower than the Elohim, the angels, it says there. And you say, wow, that's an interesting word for angels in the, in the Hebrew there. It is. Elohim isn't just the name of God, the creator. It's a name that's also used when it mentions the angels or even a group of men in some way. So you have to be really careful when you're studying scripture and the names of God as you apply them. And you see, well, what's the significance of this here? But we would recognize today, amen, that God is the creator who made all things. And that's critical to understand because you can't be remade if you don't believe he's the one who made you. And so that's why a lot of men don't want to acknowledge him as the creator because then they realize, well, I've made a mess and I need somebody to remake that. Well, there's only one God who can do that. And it's the God we worship and celebrate today. But I'm going to highlight another name of God today because I've wrestled with it for a couple of days now. And, um, and you may not be suffering as I have and... Uh, and with the flu or the cold or whatever else you want to call this junk. But, um, but I can, I've heard plenty of y'all coughing in the hallways this morning. So I know there's plenty of it going around. So, and I know at some point all of us have been sick at once in life. Amen. And uh, especially those that aren't here with us today. They're probably homesick and that's why. But we've all gotten a head cold or we've gotten uh, some type of stomach bug. And I know some of y'all battle cancer. And God's been there, walked with you through that. So praise the Lord for that. Some of y'all had shingles, and some have leaky valves, I understand. And we all could use some oil for these rusty joints at times called arthritis, amen? But the reality is this, we live in a broken world. This God who made this world, who created all things, he created it good. But when sin entered into the world, it brought destruction, it brought death, it brought decay. And what we realize is we need a new creation. I'm groaning for that myself. I'm looking forward to that day when Christ makes all things new. And that's a new creation. All creation's actually groaning for it according to Romans chapter 8. But I think you would agree with me this morning if you looked around and you saw what's going on around us. You say, it's a broken world. It's a sick world. And it's a world that desperately needs to be made well and to be healed. And there's only one physician that can actually bring healing to this world in which we live. Now, Sickness is in and of itself, disease in and of itself, those are natural evils that are the result of the fall. Because when God put man in the garden, remember, there was just peace. That means wholesomeness, right? That means unity. That means oneness. Everything was just right. And it's what sin, when sin entered in through that fatal decision of Adam and Eve, that, that now sin comes into the world and, and here we are and, and we deal with sickness on a regular basis and, and with brokenness, but it's not just physical sickness that God wants to heal for you and for me today. We have that sickness of, of, our, of our body, but also there's sometimes the sickness of the heart, emotional sorrows that we experience. 
particularly when relationships don't go well, right? We have brokenness that happens from that, and, and some experience depression as a result of it. And, and I'm not just talking about a relationship between a man and his bride. I'm, I mean, sometimes it's relational between moms and dads and, and, and their children. Uh, sometimes it's, it's relationships we have at work and other things and good friends, and we lose them. And, and sometimes there's just situations that we need healing from and we need help and we need hope. But the ultimate healing that Christ comes to deliver us from is sin sickness, right? Because that ultimately is the root of all sickness in the world, sin. And it's what disrupts the oneness that God intended to have with the man he made in his image. And that's you and that's me. And so is there any wisdom from God that can help us today? Any hope? I mean, listen, we just sang uh, that the world might know our God saves, that we might be declaring this message to a world around us. I mean, the people you're going to rub shoulders with tomorrow in the workplace, do they know the hope that's within you and the only help that can bring them healing? Because that's what we're supposed to be championing out there is the truth about our God. And so may the word today just speak to us in just a way that, that we can bring this help and this hope to a world. The wise man says over in the book of Proverbs that, that this, there's something that can encourage my soul when I'm sick, and that's a, a joyful heart. A joyful heart is good medicine. Now, I like a dose of that right now. I mean, I got some in between the services today to give me some strength to preach this morning, but it's good, and it's not from Wilkes County, okay? Don't worry about that. Some of those of you, I know, some of y'all were wondering that, and you can ask Pastor Scott about that later, all right? But uh, it's not that stuff up there. No, 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 that's not what I mean. The wise man says a joyful heart is good medicine. But, but here's the truth. Sometimes we're feeling sick and it's sick because of situations and, and, and sorrows that we have in circumstances in life. And some of those aren't joyful moments. But the truth is this. God, when he is your help and he is your hope, he can bring you joy in those moments. He is the only one that can do that. He's the only one that can bring healing and bring help. And bring us hope. And so the answer to healing isn't found down there at our memorial hospital or in a doctor's office. It's not found merely on a counselor's couch. That's not where we always find healing. It's not, trust me, the latest vaccine booster they want to give you either. All right? True hope and healing only comes from our God. The amazing thing, what you're going to discover is when we open the Bible here in Exodus 15, and what we read and what we discover when we learn about this name of God is that he's the answer to every sickness that there is, every healing that there needs to take place. It only comes through Jesus, ultimately. And I'm going to show you even in Isaiah how he prophesied that and saw that foretold. But, but it's here in, 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 Matthew, in Exodus 15 where Moses writes, and he gives us and, and helps us to realize, listen, if I want to have the fullness, the wholesomeness of life and find healing from a lot of the hurt that I've experienced, and it could be my own sicknesses or just sicknesses and things that have happened around me, I'm only going to find that when I hear God speak and apply what God has to say in my life. And that's a choice. I can't make it for you today, but I invite you to make it today and all of us to make it and believe that God is who he says he is and able to do what he is only able to do. If you want to have shalom, peace, everybody seems to be wanting peace right now, right? How about we want peace with God? Peace to heal the brokenness, the hurt, the healing that we need. Well, we find it right here. I want you to stand with me. I'm going to read just six verses in chapter 15 and starting down in verse 22. So if you'll be turning there, Exodus 15 and verse 22. Just want to read this this morning. 
And hopefully this will minister to someone's heart, not just my own this week. So Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea, and then they went out into the wilderness of Shur. They went three days in the wilderness and found no water. Now, when they came to Marah, they could not drink the waters of Marah, for they were bitter. Therefore, the name of it was called Marah. And the people complained against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? And so he cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree. And he cast it into the waters, and the waters were made sweet. There he made a statute and an ordinance for them, and there he tested them. And he said, If you diligently heed the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight, give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you which I have brought on the Egyptians. For I am the Lord who heals you, Jehovah Rophe. Then they came to Elam and there were twelve wells of water and seventy palm trees. So they camp there by the waters. And that's what we do today, Lord. By the water of your word, we ask that you'd speak to us today. And that, Lord, in this water, we might cleanse our lives, Lord. We might wash ourselves and be made clean and be made whole. And Father, I pray for every heart before me, Lord, and everyone listening under the sound of my voice on the radio or watching online. God, everyone that's under the sound of your word today, may they have faith to believe what your word says. May they choose to apply it in their lives. And God, would you bring healing, not just physical healing and emotional healing, relational healing. God, would you bring spiritual healing to our lives so that we can enjoy the wholeness, the oneness, the peace that only comes from knowing Jesus and being in right relationship with our maker. We love you, Lord. We praise you. And ask all of us in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You may be seated this morning. We are reading here of an experience of God's people. And it's ex- important to understand, you know, sometimes when we open the Old Testament, you say, well, how is that relevant for us today? I'm not planning on walking through a wilderness, and, and I certainly don't have any bitter water. Well, listen, Paul would say to the Corinthians over in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, that everything that you and I read in the Old Testament, everything that was written there is not just, well, a history lesson. That's not merely what it is. Actually, what's written there is written for our instruction. It's written to encourage you, to encourage me, that we don't make the same mistakes that others made when God spoke to them. And when God offered opportunities to them to walk by faith. These are lessons to learn. Listen, some of the best lessons in life we learn are lessons from history, right? Because you don't want to repeat it. And this is what Paul, think about it. He doesn't want us to repeat some of the things that God's people have done. He wants you, he wants me to avoid their disobedience, to avoid their rebellious nature. Students, listen, your mom and dad sometimes share the things that happened in their life. They're telling you so you don't repeat what they did so that you can be spared some hurt and that you have to seek healing for later. And the amazing thing here is there's one of those accounts right here in chapter 15. Now the backdrop of this, if you start at the beginning of the chapter, here's the amazing thing. It's a song. Man, they're singing, they're praising the Lord. Moses writes a, a song, man. He has a little spell. Why? Well, because in chapter 14, God led his people through the Red Sea. And you know what he left in the Red Sea? Pharaoh's army. Their enemy. 
who had chased them out of Egypt. Remember, God delivered his people. <coughs> Sorry. Over in chapter 12, God had delivered his people with the Passover. And he had led them out in haste. And they had gone out into the wilderness. Because God had said to Moses, told Pharaoh, man, let my people go. And, go. and Pharaoh said, go, just go. Get out of here. As they went out, Pharaoh realized, there goes our workforce. So they pursued them with the chariots. And as they went, God led his people, and that pillar of fire stood before them. And then there was the day. Where, Moses, how are we going to get delivered? There's all there is this great big red sea before us. And God said, Moses said, God, what do I do? Go forward. What? In faith. Go forward. And he raised up that rod, and that waters parted, and they walked through on dry ground. And Pharaoh's army went through after them. And then Moses, God brought the waters back over Pharaoh and his armies and defeated their enemies. And so what else would you do? Man, I'd sing a, a tune too. I may not sing as well as Don does, but I mean, I think I'd have something to shout about. Amen. And he did. And he wrote a song and he celebrated it. This is like a spiritual mountaintop. Praise the Lord what God has done. But then suddenly you go from the mountain to the valley. Been there? If you haven't, you walk with the Lord long enough. Well, all we have the highs, we have lows. And the key is this, to learn in the highs and the lows, God's trying to teach us in both moments and everything in between. Lessons about who he is and what he is like. They go from the mountaintop experience, the destruction of their enemy. No more threat to them, right? They're free to go worship God on that mountain that Moses said, we're just going out there three days. We just want to go have a, have a meal and, a, and some worship with our, with our God. Pharaoh finally let him go. Well, you say, Pastor Chris, I'm, I'm not a slave like they were. Well, I hope your, your boss isn't like Pharaoh. Amen? What, don't, Paul, amen, that Pastor Paul. Um, I, I hope your boss is not like Pharaoh, some cruel taskmaster. But listen, you're in bondage, we're in bondage, I'm in bondage, we've all been in bondage to stuff called sin, right? It's a cruel taskmaster. Man, it will beat you, right? And you'll need healing from it. In fact, you may say, well, we, we, we didn't go out and eat the Passover in haste like they did with their feet shod and, and eat it quickly and the bitter herbs and everything. But beloved, we have a Passover lamb that was spotless that died for you and for me. We celebrate his meal when we gather as a family of faith to remember the one who gave his, his blood for us and paid the penalty for our sins. We didn't walk through the Red Sea, but I tell you what, if you've ever passed through the waters, it's there that you testify Jesus died, was buried, and rose again. And I've died to myself. I've died, and I've found newness in life, and there's a new creation now. And I'm no longer... My enemy has been defeated, and I'm testifying of that. You see, in so many ways, we're on pilgrimage. Peter would say it this way in 1 Peter. You're, you're a pilgrim priesthood. We're not made for this world. We're, we're going to a new Jerusalem. We're going to a new, uh, we're going to God's throne, the promised land of heaven. And we're just pilgrims walking along the way. And your faith and my faith, it seems alien. It seems strange to the, it should seem strange to this world around us, what you and I believe. And if it doesn't seem strange to them, then maybe you've compromised in some ways 
and given into the culture around you to be like them so they'll like you. The reality is if our God is not distinct from what they worship, nor our lives distinct from the way they live, then why would they really want to believe what we believe? God's people were being led. And this is an example. It's written for us to teach us, to help us understand from their experiences. Now, from this moment of great spiritual victory, now they have this moment of great testing. Why? Because they got lessons to learn. I need the lessons of the mountaintop, and we need the lessons of the valley. We need both those lessons. And, and as they're going out now, Moses is about to lead three million people out into the wilderness. Stop and think about that for a moment. Out into nothing but dirt. Okay, y'all? No Mickey D's. No Highway 55. Okay? I've wondered if there was a Bojangles or a Chick-fil-A because there's a lot of, uh, of quail out there, I understand. So, you know, sometimes I wonder. But no, there's no fast food joints. There's no food out there. There's no sustenance in the desert. How are you going to survive with three million people? Think about that for a moment. Because you know they didn't pack all their lunch to go with them for this journey. How are they going to survive? I'm going to tell you how they're going to survive. Because there's not just dirt before them. There's not just some watering holes out there. But there's a great big pillar a fire that's leading them. That's how they're going to survive. Looking and following where he goes. And when he stops, stopping. And when he moves, moving. And doing exactly what he says. Well, they go one day out into the wilderness. There's no water. Well, that's okay. Our canteens are full. They go two days into the wilderness. Well, now the little ones are thirsty. You've been on a trip before. You know what it's like. A 12-hour trip and then the kid, are we there yet? Yeah. And then they go three days, and now we got a problem. They go three days out into the wilderness and find no water. Now, what happens when that happens? Well, people do what human nature is, right? They grumble and they complain. Moses, what have you done? What have you led us out here in the wilderness for? We're going to die. There's no way to sustain ourselves. And what they didn't realize is what God was doing. He was testing them. We know this over from Deuteronomy chapter 8. It's over there in Deuteronomy that we discover that God was testing his people. Why? It's not because he didn't know what was in their heart. He knew what was in their heart. But they didn't know what was in their heart. They had a lesson that they had to learn. God has things to expose in your heart, in my heart, in this thing called the journey of faith. And he allows trials to expose us now does he want us to fail no that's the devil he wants us to fail and tempts us in those trials so that we fail God wants your faith and my faith to be proven genuine he wants us to pass the test in fact he wants it our faith to be strengthened to be matured to be purified to be made genuine and we experience difficulties and hardships along the way as we go through life and God tests us. In fact, it's amazing what he says over in Deuteronomy chapter 8. He says, you know what? Their shoes never wore out. Their clothes never wore out. He provided for them. But he was teaching them a lesson. And by the way, I've raised six boys. I'm telling you, Nike shoes don't, 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 they wear out. Okay? You can't pass them down forever. All right? They don't. Theirs didn't. Their sandals didn't. That was some serious rubber, whatever was on the bottom of them things. I'm telling you right? Okay. 40 years worth. Pretty amazing. 
But what we do know is God was trying to reveal, listen, and teach them a lesson that man does not live by bread alone, but by what? Every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. He's trying to teach you and teach me the same thing. And that's what you learn in this lesson. Is they had to, they're going to have to make a choice. Whether they will hear and heed and hold on to what God says. And so he's testing them. Because they don't know what's in their heart. And you say, well, pastor, I'm pretty good. I know my heart. Just ask your spouse. No, you don't. Okay? All right? No, you don't. None of us do. In fact, Jeremiah said it this way. The heart is exceedingly wicked. Who can know it? It's deceptive above all things. It will lie to you. It will tell you how good you are when you're not. It's really good at that. All right? That's the word of God speaking to me. The word of God speaking to you. And what God does is he allows these trials to expose us and help us to see. Well, I didn't see. I didn't know that was there. What am I going to do with it? You're going to run to the Lord who can heal it. You're going to bring it to him so he can change it. If you don't, you're going to repeat that history lesson over and over. It ain't fun, y'all, doing laps in the wilderness. Amen? Thank you for those who were honest and said amen. All right? It's not. Here's the reality. Life serves us up some very bitter experiences. Amen. We've been there. We might be there right now. You might be going through one of those moments. They are, they're just three days. Yours may be three years worth. Could be 30 years worth. And you're still living with it. Here's the dangerous thing. The bitterness that you go through, the bitter experiences, the dangers that gets internalized and your heart grows bitter towards God. That's what he doesn't want to happen. He wants to make sure that there's no hurt there. That whatever that seed, that weed, that it's plucked out so that it doesn't cause greater disruption and hurt in other people's lives around you. And that's what happens. That's what we, when we don't deal with it, whether it's, listen, and it's always sin. It may not be yours. It could be someone else's. That's okay. But the reality is we need healing and we need help and we need hope. And only God can provide that in Jesus. They went three days. And what did they experience? They came to Mara. What is Mara? Well, when you've walked three days and you ain't got no water and you see a watering hole, someone ran up. You know, they said, I'm going. They ran up there, and they got up there, and they bent their knee down, and they cut their hands, and they took a big swig, and they <laughs> spit it out. Why? Brackish water, bitter water. Not like those nice uh, springs up there in the mountains, you know. You know what I'm talking about? They come right out of the side of a rock, man. It just blows your mind how water can do that, right? That cool mountain water. No, 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 no. This is brackish water. And they just spit it out. It's nasty. Right? Nasty. I know someone says that a lot. Yeah. Nasty. <laughs> I needed to laugh. Joyful heart this morning. Excuse me. If you want to know more about that later, it's an inside joke. I'll tell you something. Mara. They called it bitterness. You know anybody's had a Mara experience? Bitterness in life? You know, the Bible gives us one, of the, one picture of it in a little book called Ruth, right? This woman named Naomi, right? She and her husband, two boys. Listen to this. A crisis occurs. What you going to do? I'm hungry. We ain't got no food. There's a famine in the land. They leave the house of bread, right? They leave, 
and leave God's land, and they go to Moab. Like there's real hope there. Well, they go down to Moab, and what happens? Their sons get married. Woohoo! Things are going great. Then all of a sudden, the boys die. The husband dies. Naomi's lost the three men in her life. They're in graves. She's got two daughters-in-law. I'm going back. You girls stay here. No, no, no. Well, listen, I can't, I can't birth two more sons to be your husbands. I can't heal the hurt in your heart too. There's no hope. You stay here. And remember, one of them stayed. And the other one said, what? No, 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 no. Where you go, I'll go. And your God will be my God and your people will be my people. She had greater faith, Ruth did, than Naomi did. And Naomi goes back and when she comes back, everybody's like, oh, look, Naomi's back. And she's like, I'm not Naomi. I'm Mara. I'm bitter. I'm bitter. Well, you don't know what I've lost. You don't know what I've experienced. You don't know the hurt that needs healing in me right now. She lost hope. She forgot to keep looking to God. She, she, she's like some of you right now hearing me preach. You've got to look to him. He's the only one that can bring hope. And if we're honest with ourselves, we should cry out and cry out, God, my life is bitter. I don't like this experience. I don't like what I've gone through. How could you allow this to happen in my life? Newsflash. He allows this to happen in your life and my life. And listen, it could be the bitterness of a physical brokenness that we experience. Sickness, man, that'll cause some people to get bitter. Man, you're living life to the fullness and vitality, and all of a sudden, just the strength of life is taken from you. All the things you wanted to do, you can't do. That can cause bitterness in your heart. Broken relationships between individuals. I'm not just talking about a, a, a young man and a young woman. I'm talking about spouses and talking about parents and, and their children, even siblings. Man, it'll just rob you of life and vitality if you allow it to. You don't have to. But that's what happens, the bitterness of life. And there's all types of that, what we need healing from. And only God can bring that wholesomeness. Only God can bring that healing back together. In fact, it's the circumstances in life that God is using to bring healing and hope in your life, in my life. You see, they started out grumbling and complaining, murmuring because of Mara. The people complained against Moses. Now, I want you to know, just write in the margin of your Bible, Philippians chapter 2. Just write this in the margin of your Bible. Don't turn there. I'm going to read it real quick to you. Philippians chapter 2. Hear what Paul says about our salvation. All right? It's a wonderful thing that God... Listen, Jesus didn't hold on to equality with God, but he stepped down into this world, Philippians chapter 2. But just mark 12 through 15 there in your Bible. And just hear me for a second. Ready? Listen. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Why? Because it's God who is at work in you, both to will and to do his good pleasure. Listen, he saved us. He's working out what he worked in. Now, his plan to work that out is not what I'm always looking forward to. It's not always what we're expecting. He allows the circumstances in life. Listen, that means the things that happen between our spouse, our children, our coworkers, and thing, our government, 
All kinds of things are happening. He's working out the salvation that he worked in. So, Paul would say, verse 14, therefore do all things without grumbling and complaining. Is that what we do? We're just like them in the wilderness. Moses! Myra! What are you doing? Why? Why is this happening? Why is this? Why am I going through this? You know, God's working out what he worked in. That's an important lesson, very important lesson to learn in your spiritual journey. And listen, why does he do that? Listen to what he says in, as he continues. Do all things without grumbling and complaining, that you may become blameless, harmless children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. I'm telling you, our God allows circumstances in our life right now so that you and I can bear witness to this world out there that we found the source of hope and help and healing, the one that they need to turn to. And he allows that in your life, not that we can grumble, complain about what we're having to go through, but that we might testify of his grace that is sufficient, whatever we may face. We're working out what God worked in. He was working out in their life too. Some of them didn't want the workout. They didn't, they wanted it to work out, but they didn't want the workout. Hello? Do you? Do I? Because he wants to work that out. Life will serve up bitterness. Now, here's the amazing thing. Go back to Exodus 15. God can serve up, life can serve up bitterness, but here's the thing. Our God can make bitter things sweet. Amen. Amen? So they cried out to the Lord. Who did? Moses did. He cried out to the Lord. That's what all good leaders do. When you got a problem... You know, so I got the solution. The best thing we can do is say what? Lord, help me. Amen. Trust me, I do that quite a bit. He cried out to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree. Well, that's fascinating. I mean, just stop for a minute. Can we just, can we have a, let's just, ready, think, ready. I'm in the wilderness. You ever been in the desert? There ain't many trees out there, y'all. Amazing. There's a tree. And you see that tree? Moses. I'm going to show you this tree. Here's what I want you to do. You cut this tree and you cast it into the waters. and It'll make the waters sweet. Woo. Well, that sounds good. I like that. Moses cuts. That makes, makes total sense, doesn't it? Makes no sense. Makes no sense whatsoever. How's this one tree? It seems to have found the good water because it's still standing. It's the only tree. But no, you cut down that tree. And you throw it in there. And what it will do to those bitter waters is make them sweet. And so Moses cut it down. He threw it in. The people tasted. And next thing you know, what was corrupt, what was life-threatening, brackish water, now is made sweet. And in that moment, a lesson had to be learned and taught. You see, God had already demonstrated time and again his ability to deliver them when they needed help. I mean, just think, man, they saw God do 10 miraculous plagues, the demonstration of his power there in Egypt. I mean, they had witnessed it, but they had forgotten it not too long, had they? They had witnessed him, this pillar going before them, standing between their enemy. He'd shown them direction. They'd seen the Red Sea wide open. They walked on it on 
dry ground. They could have picked up shells on the bottom or whatever's in the bottom of the sea. Think about that as they walked. And they saw the waters come back and destroy their enemies. They'd forgotten that. He brings them three days and just something so simple. Cut a tree and put it in the water. And it's sweet. God had demonstrated his sufficiency to provide, to protect, to preserve them. And they grumbled and complained. Now, here's the thing. How does God make our experiences not bitter, but how does he make them bittersweet? Amen. Do y'all like bittersweet chocolate? It's really good for moose, right? Chocolate moose. Right? I love to make chocolate mousse with my kids. My French teacher, Madame O'Hare, taught me how to make it. She French, taught me French. Greatest French teacher I ever had. But she also taught us how to cook. She's a French chef. Pretty amazing. And I love making uh, chocolate mousse. It's really good. Especially when it sits for two days and then it's ready. So Elijah's going to tell me when I go home, let's make chocolate mousse. Because I know it's just so good. How does God make our bitter experiences sweet? Well, there's a tree, y'all. Amen? There's only one tree that's been, that can, be, can turn our bitterness and make it sweet. And see, on that tree, a Savior died for you and for me. The cross of Calvary. And, and, and His Son died there to bring us healing and bring us hope. And, and when you come to that Savior who died there, as Isaiah 53 would say, He's a suffering Savior. He's hanging there for you and for me. Isaiah says he was despised and rejected by men. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. He, 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 we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised. We did not esteem him. No, no, no. Surely he's borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken. That's what we wanted. Smitten by God. Afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by, or by, for our well-being was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. Hey, stop, listen. If you'll bring your broken bitterness, the hurt to Jesus. Here's what he's able to do. Joel would say it this way. I love in Joel. That what the locusts have eaten, God can restore. God can restore. Our God, Elohim, the creator God who made all things. Listen. Who created this world. At the end of every day, what does it say? It was good. Those hands, listen. When you and I take the mess that we've made and give it to him, he's able to work things, Romans 8, 28, Work all things together for good to those who love him and work according to his purposes. Your timetable, listen, is not God's timetable. And he's not beholden to, your, to our timetable. He'll work it out in his time. The question is, will you and I have faith to keep going even when it's a wilderness and choose to believe he's able? Even when we don't find water right away. When we're crying out. Because the text says our God is able to take bitterness and make it sweet. And sooner or later in your pilgrimage, you and I will discover as we walk through this wilderness, we're going to find ourselves at Marah and we're going to be thirsty. I love what Psalm 63 says. Lord, in a dry 
I, I find myself, the psalmist would say, in a dry and weary land where there is no water. And sometimes you're like the deer that pants for the water. There's several psalms that give us this picture. David writing songs, music about it. By the way, sometimes fill your heart and your mind, fill our hearts and minds with the right kind of music, right? To help us in those seasons of life, to remind us of these deep spiritual truths, to encourage our hearts. Sometimes come along a brother or sister and remind them, listen, we all pant. We go through these valleys. We go through the valleys of Baca, Psalm 84. As pilgrims, listen, blesses the man, listen, whose strength in the journey is with the Lord. Blesses the man whose trust is in the Lord. Blesses the one who has faith in the Lord. There's, there's three beatitudes right there in Psalm 84. When we go through these valley experiences, they're valleys of baka, valleys of weeping, where you're hurt. When you've been there, you're not the only one going through the valley. You're not the first one, you won't be the last. But here's the promise. When you dig a hole there and you pour your tears into it, God also fills it with dew so that you can get a cup and refresh yourself. By the way, you can pass it to the one coming behind you. You, This is how God supplied for me. This is how he can supply for you. And some of us need to encourage others and say, no, 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 we're we're on this journey, pilgrims. We're going to get there. Get up, let's go. And some of us might need to be encouraged today to do that. But remind ourselves of the word. Now, why does it happen this way? You see, the God who heals our hurts is Jehovah Rophe, the God who heals. That's his name. Now, watch this. Because we've all experienced brokenness and need healing. After we sin, yeah, we need healing. But watch how he exposes and reveals this. He exposes us. Notice verse 26. If you diligently heed the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight and give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes. Then, here's what he'll do. I will put none of the diseases on you which I have brought on the Egyptians. Why? Because I'm the Lord who heals you. Wait a second. This doesn't sound to me like after I've done something wrong, after I've sinned, after I've done something, transgression, and I need, I've got hurt, and I need healing, that God will heal. This is the kind of t- different, sounds different, right? The actual picture is, this isn't, okay, time out. Who likes to go to the doctor? Don't raise your hand. You, you be lying. Don't do that. Okay? All right. None of us do. All right? Because they're going to poke you, prod you, stick you with needles. Man, that's no fun, right? All right? I have some doctor's visits like that you have to go to to get medicine to get better. There's also the ones that you go to that are your annual checkup, right? And we do that, why? Preventive maintenance, amen? Right? To get up before something bad happens. That's good. That's good. Good medicine, all right? This is what God just said. Hey, listen, if you hear, if you heed, if you hold on to, if you do what I say, then you won't have any experience, any of that hardship. Those things won't fall on you. There just happens to be a proverb that highlights that. Proverbs chapter 3, 5 and 6. You know that one. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he'll do what? He'll direct your paths. But we don't, we stop there. We should read the next verse. Don't be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It will be health to your flesh and strength to your bones. Does God have the power to heal us when we're hurt, 
when something bad has happened? Absolutely. Praise God. But he doesn't want us to be there. He wants to make wise decisions so we don't go there. Students, listen carefully. That's why mom and dad are trying to teach you. We're trying to pour into you the things that we don't want you to do because we've been there and we've been hurt. We've made some really foolish decisions. We weren't wise. We didn't trust in the Lord. We're trying to protect you. And one of the best things we can do is help you to learn, insulate and isolate yourself from that hurt. A lot of times by pouring God's word into your heart, embracing truth and holding on to it and doing what God says. Because there are these experiences in life that we're going to go through. And they're going to be hurt, hurtful. But why not have God's word with you before you get there? To give you the strength you need when you are there. Rather than rebelling and having to turn back to him. He's still there, praise God, when we call on him. Amen? Whoever confesses and forsakes his sin finds mercy. That's what the proverb says. But why go there? Why not already be there? Now, here's the amazing thing. God wants to bring healing. He wants to bring healing. In fact, there's the, the, the seasons of Mara. There's the seasons where God then makes it sweet. And then the Lord knows how to balance these experiences in life as they do. Because then they came to Elam where there were 12 wells of water and 70 palm trees. And they camped there by the waters. You know, when God's marching their pilgrimage where they're going, he had a plan. Probably not that far from there where there were 12 wells for 12 tribes, 70 palm trees for 70 elders, I don't know. The point is this, a good God who delivers and saves was able to supply what was needed. You see, he's the healer. He can heal our hearts if we'll let him. He wants to, though, he wants to be the healer to prevent us from having to experience those hurts if we'll hear and heed and hold on to what he has to say. The amazing thing about our Savior, Jesus, he's the name above all names. He's the one who embodies this. You see him everywhere he goes on the New Testament pages when you read about him. He's the one, when he sees the crowds, he sees those who who need healing physically, spiritually, even from demonic oppression. Those that need healing and relationships and all. He's able to do that. Praise God. It's amazing how he never, he didn't heal everybody though, right? But he could have. But here's the thing, he can heal us if we'll come to him. He's, he's the one who hung on that tree for you and for me. In fact, it's said that uh, he fulfilled what Isaiah wrote. The spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. And he sent me to heal the broken hearted. You broken hearted this morning? Is there brokenness because of sin? Some decision that you may have made, some decision someone else may have made, but it's causes brokenness and you need to be made whole. That only comes when you bring it to the Lord and say, Lord, take this healing. Take this hurt. I want to experience healing today. He's a great physician. Listen, here's the hard part. In order for that healing salve to be applied, he takes a scalpel, right, when we confess our sins. And he cuts away, just like a good surgeon does, he cuts away that sin and like a cancer and he pulls it out. And he'll put that healing balm on there. The Spirit will take the Word and apply it to our hearts. And when He does that, our life is changed. It's made new. And He wants us all to experience that. It's not just the Word I preach today. It's the Word we take in day by day by day. And I don't have some, some healing cloth or healing oil to give you today to make you well, okay? 
The healing is the word and the spirit applying that to your heart today. If you need physical healing, listen, we look to him because he's the only one that can provide it ultimately. Not Iredale. Listen, not some vaccine, him. We look to him. Now, it's still wise to, to use what technology and wisdom he's given to mankind. But ultimately, all healing is his. And here's the good news for the Christian. Ultimately, praise God, we will be healed. Amen? I don't know about you, I'm looking forward to that day. But this morning, anybody drinking bitter water? Want it to be made sweet? This is an invitation time. It's when we come to the altar and say, Lord, you know what I'm going through. These people, they may not know. You know. And Lord, I don't understand it. Forgive me for grumbling, complaining, but I want to bring that and lay it on the altar for you to deal with. Maybe you just need to come today and, and say, I need, I, 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 there's bitterness, there's brokenness. It's affecting me physically, and I just want to confess that to the Lord, and, and I want to leave it here and not carry it anymore. Maybe you're on the mountaintop and you're singing and shouting and you see a brother or sister who's on the, in the valley. Maybe you just need to come alongside and say, man, God's still good. We're going to keep trusting in him. I'm here to walk with you, brother and sister, through this. I don't know how the Spirit of God has spoken to you, but I believe he does speak. And so if your responsibility is to respond in obedience and faith. And if you need to make a decision today, maybe it's just looking to the cross and saying, I need Jesus to be my Savior and my Lord because I'm sin sick and I need to be made well. And only he can do that. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. And the opportunities here before us to respond in faith and in obedience to what God has told us. And so if God has spoken to you today and you've heard him speak, then I want to invite you to come at this time. And say, Pastor, I just need prayer. I need Jesus. There's some situations in my life because of sin that have caused bitterness. And I'm carrying it in my heart, but I don't want to carry it anymore. Or maybe you just want to come and pray for someone. They're not here because the bitterness has just made their hearts hard. And they're not open to even hearing the word. And you just want to lay them on the altar before the Lord and say, God, I just want to pray for healing. Healing of hurt. We intercede for others. Moses did for his own people, for God's people. And so as the Spirit of God speaks, if you need to come today, because you know what, you're... You're a sinner in need of a Savior, and only Jesus can heal you. And you realize that. And you want to put your faith and trust in the healing that's available because of His stripes, His suffering that He endured for you and for me. Then we invite you to do that as well right now. Let's obey the Spirit as He speaks to us this morning. The altar's open. Our heads are bowed. We're searching our hearts. God revealed something in the hearts of His people there in the wilderness. What's he revealed in our hearts this morning is really the question. And how will we respond to what he has said? Will we choose to hear and heed and hold on to his word? Will we apply it in our lives? In fact, even as our heads are bowed, give thanks today if you know the healing that comes through the cross of Christ. Thank God for the healing from sin and the penalty of sin that he has provided through his son.